Hey everybody and welcome to the Guest Life Podcast, episode 26. We're talking about design and construction with Zoran Tomasevic from Harbor Hills Construction Management as well as Vivant Luxury Living. Um, Zoran's a Hamiltonian, good friend of mine and business partner. Um, his story is fantastic. I can't wait to kind of get you guys going with it. Again, Guest Life Podcast, episode 26. We want to thank everybody so much for tuning in today. Um, you know, it's been a, over a year now that we've been doing this. It's just been fantastic. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, um, YouTube, all the channels. If you can't find us, stay home. Um, and today we have the, uh, the, the great privilege of talking to Zoran. So how's it going? Awesome. Thanks for having me, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time in the making now and, and Zoran's, uh, you know, hometown guy, uh, Hamilton based. He's got a ton of stuff on the go. Hard. Can't believe he's here still because, uh, Hard guy to get a hold of. If you, if you know him, you understand. <laughs> um, Zoran, let's start with with Harbor Hills. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, we're going to get a little bit into family life, time management, and then uh, Vivant, which is kind of taken off. Um, started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's the fun part. Yeah. So Harbor Hills Construction Management, it's, uh, it's a construction management company and general contracting company um, that we started here in 2015. Um, started obviously, um, started more in the residential side, to be honest with you, it was, it was insurance work. Yeah. So, you know, when there were, you know, when there were flood outs and whatnot, you know, our crew would come in there and, and basically remove drywall and, and repair floors. So nothing uh, overly glamorous. Um, but, you know, we, we, paid our dues we you know put the time in and slowly we started kind of growing and and uh and eventually we got into the commercial world and um and yeah and now we're dealing um you know primarily with ICI sectors so you know office fit outs retail restaurant work um and yeah just just trying to trying to do what we can you know for our clients and you know it's been an awesome ride being being here in the in the Hamilton scene um, and seeing the revitalization has been awesome and, uh, it's been awesome to be a part of for sure. Yeah. We, uh, we're doing a project right now downtown with Zoran that does not have a roof. Um, <laughs> pretty extensive yes. stuff right down in Gore park. Yes. Um, it, you know, it's wild to see the transformation of some of these older buildings, um, especially downtown in the core, but kind of as you expand throughout Hamilton, there's a lot of work happening. Like tell us about how you you know, why you would want to get involved in an old building with no roof and what the kind of, you know, what, what attracts you to that? Yeah, obviously it has its challenges. <laughs> um, I mean, if we, if we are able, we've always felt that if we are able to achieve success on these projects of difficulty, then when, you know, projects down the road come up that they're new builds, I mean, I feel like we'll, will be well enough versed with dealing with tough site conditions. Um, you know, obviously with King Street, you know, it's it's a row building in a congested area of downtown. Um, obviously, it's an old building, decrepit, you know, there's no roof and whatnot. So, you know, we're facing our challenges and and we're kind of, you know, there, there are areas that we're learning as we go, you know, just like a building, once, just like a building that, you know, is 150 years old, you're going to learn the more you take down, the more you're going to find out about the building. So, uh, I mean, it's obviously been an experience and still an experience. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking to have a roof on the building by the end of the <laughs> summer, which will be, you know, a, a, you know, a large feat for sure. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, honestly, you know, that's part of the fabric of being a contractor in Hamilton is like, you have to have the ability to work on 
existing buildings yeah. to work in conditions that aren't ideal and favorable um, and to be able to be flexible and adaptable when a site condition does come up right so i mean you know we faced we faced you know a hundred challenges a thousand challenges on king street and other and other projects alike right and that's just kind of it, it goes with the territory i mean you know we're both familiar with lots of developers in the area that you know use old buildings to their advantage right they they take the old buildings you know they're able to integrate contemporary ideas and contemporary concepts into the space and it turns out fantastic so you know king street is definitely going to be one of those projects that you know exposed brick everywhere 100 percent exposed yeah. brick you know new curtain wall systems you know new fixtures etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know it'll definitely be something that uh that'll add to you know the re re revitalization of hamilton and um yeah, we're excited to, to hopefully finish it up uh, by the end of the year. Yeah, it's amazing. Ish. So are we. And I think, you know, a lot of people wonder when it comes to contracting and kind of getting involved, how you got started. So I always remember you telling me a story about, um, you know, Zoran started at Elliston, correct? Yeah, correct. And uh, he's like, there's nothing like managing a project where you have to do, do a concrete pour on a 50-story building. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, uh, obviously went to Mohawks, uh, college's, uh, architectural technology program and, and, uh, and had a co-op actually with Ellis Dine. How long is that program? Uh, the program three and a half years with oh, co-op wow. fantastic program. And, you know, definitely the, the co-op aspect was, was huge. Um, I feel that, you know, and, and I feel like, you know, I'm not alone with this thought, but you know, what I learned in a year and a half on the sites versus three years of of tech, technical education obviously the on-site learning was extremely beneficial yeah. right so i mean i had the ability to to work with a few companies with ellis dawn i worked for my last eight months of co-op um i was at the ago in uh, in downtown hamilton oh wow and really they they you know right away they've kind of put me into the shit right away i mean um i was I did not know what a superintendent was at the time. And my first day, I was the night superintendent of the AGO shift. AGO was a 24-hour job. So it was like there was never a break in the, in the, in the work. And literally, I, they said, okay, you're going to be supervising the crew that's building the barnacle staircase, and uh, which is like the big corkscrew staircase in the middle of the AGO. And, uh, and I was off and running, I guess. I had to kind of learn by intuition and and uh and when i did get shifted to the day shift you know trying to to see what the other superintendents were doing how they were functioning and 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 whatnot to kind of understand the role and to be a better supervisor and and that obviously grew over 10 years with ellis dawn obviously had uh had exposure to probably 15 different projects you know probably in, in constructability i was probably around two or three billion dollars in in construction work we worked on union station wow. uh sarnia regional or uh, sudbury regional hospital um, and this is all with your time with Ellis Dawn? All with my time with Ellis Dawn. So wow. definitely was a great opportunity to see construction from um, both the micro scale where, you know, you're, you're assigned to a specific task, being the superintendent of concrete or being the superintendent of, uh, of coordinating with the curtain wall systems and whatnot. Uh, but also, you know, when you, when you got a chance to kind of step back, you could look at construction from a macro standpoint, right? Seeing kind of what's been built over the last 12 months and, and understanding like how your role in it has contributed to that, right? So, I mean, Elston was was a fantastic company and, um, you know, was definitely one of the reasons that I had the confidence to kind of break out on my own uh, when I did uh, in 2015. Wow.
Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's wild when you see the finished product, and then when you be a part of it. I remember when I was uh, <clears throat> just got my ticket. I did some work at Mohawk College actually on the the expansion there for the new police foundation. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also did Maple Leaf Foods, which is now like this monstrosity building. We were just doing the underground plumbing. Mm -hmm. But you see it all finished and everyone's like, oh, it's that's great. Like right. it's done. Or, yeah. Oh, they, they built that new tower up. And, right. and the man hours and the late nights and, and the people that are involved in getting some of those projects done. And pretty much like, you know, the teamwork, but also the management. I think um, I look like I love the name. Where did you get Harbor Hills from when you kind of decided to get out on your own? Uh, so we wanted to obviously born and raised Hamilton. Um, always had obviously a special place for it and and was really you know, one of the people that believed that Hamilton, Hamilton was going to turn around like, you know, in 2009, 2010, when, you know, real estate was still bleak at that point. Um, and so when we got to the drawing board with regard to names, we wanted something that was relatable to our city. So, you know, we were throwing around a couple of ideas and whatnot. And then I was thinking about, okay, what are some, some features that, you know, Hamilton has? So, you know, obviously West Harbor and whatnot. So I was like, okay, we're trying to roll that in. And then I was thinking of another unique feature, which like the mountain. Yeah. So, you know, Harbor Mountain and then, and then Harbor Hills kind of rolled off the tongue and, <laughs> and it kind of sounded, yeah, it sounded, uh, sounded like a decent name. And, and, you know, after that, you know, after that was done, I was like, you know, I felt like, you know, this was it once, once it was out there, yeah. like, this is, this is it. So I'm definitely proud of the name, definitely proud of the city. And, um, yeah, it's definitely kind of part of who we are. Yeah. I've known Zoran six years now. I didn't know that. So that is awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as, yeah. as you were describing it, I'm like, Oh, what yeah, yeah, I should have known. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I think, um, I think a name and a brand has so much to do with, with kind of, you know, how you're perceived in the city as well as professionalism and, and how your brand kind of, kind of sticks out from the rest instead of it's just, just one or the other. Um, you know, whether, whether it's a street name for some or, or, uh, or milestones for, for others in terms of what a city stands for. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, no, for sure. How have, um, in terms of establishing your business and kind of building that up, what type of, what kind of took you to that next level of now doing jobs like King street? Is it just, repetition or is it growth or is it just that you have a, a like an absolute desire for risk a little bit of everything there realistically i mean you know risk with 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 construction is is just it's part of the recipe right so um obviously i've always had my sights set on bigger things when i you know when we were doing you know a thousand square foot basement you know i wasn't sitting there and be like yes i've reached the pinnacle right there, <laughs> there's always that next step and, yeah. and you know even where i am now i mean you know we're still walking before we can run right so um yeah it, it's just that i've always had my sights set on bigger things i think to be honest with you working in downtown toronto for like 10 years and seeing the scale of development and and the scale of impact that construction and real estate has had in toronto you know, it, it kind of made me want to be a part of that, right? In, in whatever small degree I can be. But, uh, but yeah, just being able to see, you know, how over the last 10 years, how Toronto's changed, over the last 10 years, how Hamilton has changed, you know, through construction, through real estate, through um, the economy, obviously increasing and, and becoming much more stable in, in our local downtown. Um, so, yeah, you know, obviously you had to work your way up to that. I mean, I, I didn't jump in. Um, I didn't jump into the deep end with, uh, with, with no paddle there. You know, I, I tried to take the natural progressions of construction. So, you know, we started off residential, then we started 
doing larger scale renovations, then we got into commercial and, and so forth and so forth. So, I mean, definitely, you know, we wanted to make sure that that when we were ready to jump into a big project, that that we had the systems in place. I mean, you're always going to learn. You're always going to make mistakes. That's it just just goes with the gig. But you know, we want to have the ability to to have solutions for those mistakes. Um, and and yeah, it's still it's still a learning process. You know, we make mistakes all the time. Um, it's just that you know the ability to to have a solution for that mistake, to have a plan B, and how to mitigate you know as much risk or, or delays as possible. Yeah. When that comes down to you can plan, but you can't you can't plan for everything. And, and I find uh, you don't want to take the accountant's approach to business, which is you would never do anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. You you can't be too calculated because gotcha. you know you got to be dialed in. You got to understand, but you know don't uh, don't go to an accountant for business advice. If you're an accountant listening, I don't care. Come talk to me. <laughs> um, we'll start a business together. But that's where I find it's like you, you know that risk factor and that kind of getting after it and that taking it to the next level, um, which is uh, where I want to transition this conversation to with Vivant Luxury Living. Um, you know, congratulations. I know a little bit more behind the behind the camera here, but uh, tell us about that. What spiked that interest? What is it? How'd you come up with that name? Yeah. So. Um... Vivant, it's a it's a it's a boutique development in, in Font Hill, um, small kind of seven townhouse development. Um, it's kind of our first delve into the residential development world, and and it's something that honestly, you know, we I've been wanting to do for for a long time. I mean, you know, uh, being a developer uh, has something you know that I started dreaming of when I was in my twenties, and have been trying to kind of get you know, to that level there. So uh, it was an opportunity that came up. A, a good friend of mine, uh, Abdullah Madge, a realtor here in Hamilton, a great realtor, ended up uh, finding this piece of property in the Niagara area. This was in 2019. Um, and I'd had, you know, I, I'd seen the growth obviously in Hamilton at that point and the surrounding area. The GTA obviously was extremely strong and and almost unaffordable uh, for, for, for someone of my size. Um, and the Niagara region was something that was just appealing to me. And, you know, I thought, that it had a good mixture of urban features. Um, it had a good mixture of rural features, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Niagara Falls, you know, St. Catharines, et cetera, et cetera. So I felt like there was, there was a, a uh, market out there. So we were looking in little little towns, you know, in the Niagara region, Thorold, Welland, um, Fawn Hill, Pelham. And we found this unique property um, in a newly developed area, about uh, just over half an acre, um, that we decided, you know what, let's, let's see if we can develop here. And, and I went, I went into it, obviously I went into it a little bit premature in regards to the planning side of it. I mean, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't, no way. Yeah, didn't expect uh, as many challenges and whatnot, but, um, I mean, I, and I also didn't expect the growth and the success that would come from it as well, to, to be honest. So, you know, we, we, we tried to go baby steps in it. Um, we tried to hire the you know proper professionals, planners, uh, an architect, engineers, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of advise on it. But yeah, we we went into it in, in 2019 and, you know, the thought process was, okay, we're going to get it built in 2020. It's going to be great, you know, easy, easy peasy. Obviously, um, with COVID and everything like that, lots of things have changed, um, you know. There's been a learning curve for sure. I mean, dealing with Terion itself has been obviously a learning curve. That um, and what's Terion? Just for people that might not know. So Terion is like a third party, um, third party company that basically oversees the completion of residential homes that are for resale or for okay. for sale. Um, so basically, what they do is they assure that us as the builders 
are held up to a certain level of performance over every year. So for example, for the first year, you know, it's basically a bumper to bumper warranty. And here, Tarion is the one that regulates us to making sure that we're coming back to repair any issues that are that, that the property is happening. And then up to seven years, every year, there's something that is included on the warranty there. So um, yeah, they kind of oversee basically the, the, the product and the warranty period for the end users. Wow. Yeah. So um, getting our Tarion license was definitely... Um, there was challenges, you know, with it for sure. But I mean, overall, I think we appreciated those challenges. You know, we, we, we think that, you know, to be a developer, you know, there should be some red tape, there should be some difficulties and, and the process itself should, should be rather involved. I mean, everyone can't be a developer, you know, even if you have the funds to buy the land, you know, you have to have experience, you have to have the ability um, to present that, you know, you're capable to do the project. So obviously going, going through the Tarion process and getting our license, I mean, it was almost like an affirmation of, Hey, yes, we can do this. You know, we're, we're, we're at that stage where we can at least get our license and we can, we can move forward. So, I mean, that was definitely, um, that was definitely a positive experience overall, um, for sure. And then, yeah. And, and, you know, we were kind of not flying by the seat of our pants, but kind of trying to, trying to play the market right with, with COVID. I mean, we, we were concerned at first that, uh, it was going to have a negative effect. People were going to be scared to leave their houses, you know, too much uncertainty in the market might, uh, drop prices down. But uh, we ended up finding that, you know, creating a good product, a good design and having a reputation that you can deliver is what the people want is what the people need. So obviously. Yeah, we'll have uh, it like they're stunning units from what we've, what we've seen and all the renderings and everything. We'll have everything up on the, up online. You guys can't get them because they're all sold out. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but at least you'll be able to see what he's building because I think. You know, he's a very modest guy, but it's it's fantastic. Like, the design speaks for itself. I, I, I'm in love with them. I remember the first time I saw them when you when you think of townhouses, it's not what you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we work uh, in relation there with, with close relation there with uh, SMPL, a, a local Hamilton yeah. uh, architectural design firm. Great firm. I mean, uh, Jewel Tanner, the uh, the principal there, was, was instrumental in, in putting this together for us. But um, when we were looking at, you know, the design of the project – we wanted to take into consideration the local market and and um, make sure that we were designing something that kind of fit within the fabric of the Niagara region. I know ultimately in 2020, you know, the idea was we were going to do these ultra modern flat roof, you know, really sleek looking um, townhomes. And then we started doing some case studies in the area and seeing that that wasn't actually the most attractable kind of, you know, purchase or, or whatnot for, for, uh, for the residents down there. So we started thinking, okay, started thinking not outside the box, but what would mesh with the fabric of the Niagara region a little bit better. And then we started kind of coming up with like, these would be called almost like Scandinavian farmhouses, right? So yeah. uh, there's contemporary features to it. There's Quaint. traditional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and yeah. And when, and when, um, and we started putting together, we, we, you know, we went, there was some back and forth for sure. You know, there was probably about two months of design development, just trying to get it right. And then finally, when it when it was done, it was just like, yes, this is it. And I mean, the feedback has been, you know, fantastic. People are excited about it. I mean, I don't think we initially foresaw that the demand for something like this would be as strong as it was. But I mean, we sold out in three days and, and had a waiting list and have a waiting list. And and yeah, so it's been definitely a definitely a, a blessing for sure. Yeah. Well, and congratulations. And that's, that's part of entrepreneurship, right? Is taking those risks, but educated, bringing the right people in, you know, uh, 
um, knowing how much information to take in and, and, and when to pull the trigger. Um, and I think that's a, that's a unique skill to have. Um, you know, I know myself and, and a lot of different people that we talk to and have brought on the show. It, it's, it's, you know, it, luck is, is right time and opportunity and, and, uh, and skill set, right. And preparation. So I think, uh, I think it's, it's fantastic. Like I said, I boast about him cause he's a good friend of mine, but also they, uh, they speak for themselves in terms of like how they kind of, how they kind of get the job done. Um, let's let's tra- track back so many people always ask us you've got um vivant luxury living which obviously takes up some time maybe just a little bit here and there <laughs> um harbor hills construction management and then new father of two with a beautiful wife at home tell us a little bit about how you manage your time we talked about a little bit before you you tried an app recently that's kind of helping you out how is you know when you talk about construction management tied into time management tied into being a great father and, uh, and, and a good buddy. Yeah. Uh, um, you know what? It's honestly something that is still a work in progress. It's, uh, it, it has its challenges. Obviously it, it, uh, it has its rewards for sure. I mean, first and foremost, I mean, being a good father to my kids is the most important thing, you know, overall over being a contractor developer, et cetera, et cetera, you know, being there for my kids, um, is obviously the most important thing. Um, obviously my wife has been huge with that. Christina, she's, uh, you know, she understood what she, you know, got into when we got married. Um, she understood that I had aspirations to do, you know, to do some, 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 some things that I want to do with regards to, um, entrepreneurship and, and my own company and whatnot. So she knew there'd be challenges when, yeah. it, when it came time, you know, to having kids and, and whatnot. But I mean, overall, just <clears throat> trying to prioritize yourself. And what's important to you has been kind of the the way I've been able to be successful in it, right? I've, I've always had, I feel, uh, you know, since I had kids for sure, that <laughs> my priorities are relatively straight. I mean, um, I mean, even for example, I know last week that we were supposed to have this podcast, but something family related came up, you know, I wasn't happy to call you and let you know that I can't have, you know, it, it can't happen, but I mean, my priority was to the family, right? So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I, I try to... Uh, you know, for me, the big thing is trying to turn off, you know, the phone when, when I get home uh, as best as possible. I mean, you know, construction, even even when you're not working 24-7, it's still a 24, an emergency can happen at any time, right? Always. So, I mean, the last thing that, you know, an owner or a client or, or, or anybody wants to see is that, you know, they can't get a hold of the contractor if there is an emergency. So, you know, that's always in the back of my mind, but definitely prioritizing family time for me is... is um, is kind of item number one for me. So, you know, uh, you know, and I look up to, you know, guys like yourself who, who have that, you know, work-life balance and, and who, who preach it and who practice it. Right. So, um, you know, just learning from guys like yourself and, and, and others in, in how can I, you know, complement my, my work life and my family life and, and still kind of get, you know, where I want to be with everything. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge though for myself personally and that, I, you know, just got to try to figure out. Yeah. Well, on the, on the last episode we had Craig in here and, um, you, you know, talking about kind of just that, that structure of like taking care of yourself first and you can take care of others so much. And I think it's, um, as a business owner that has big aspirations, sometimes not just your family, but your friends can pull you down or, you know, your staff can pull you down if they see you doing different things. And, you know, it's a, it's a hard road, but also it can be very, I find anyways, once you kind of open up about it and just be like, Hey, like, I think, you know, that's not the first time I've heard uh, someone say that they had the conversation with their wife about these big goals and aspirations. So right. yeah, it's not a surprise. Right. It doesn't make it easy, No. but, um, <laughs> but at the no, same no. time, right. It's, 
it's hey we talked about this and, and you know my path hasn't changed i still want to be there and, and want to take it to the next level because as an entrepreneur a lot of people what i find and see in some of the the conversation i have with with people that maybe i haven't explained myself well enough to is they just think it's all about work right but yeah. an entrepreneurial is is someone in my opinion that is a constant forever learner you're always growing you're always learning you're always developing yes business is priority because we're here more most of the times than we are at home with the family but we're also continued learners on health fitness friendships lifestyle relationships parenting um you know you look up to me in, in that sense but i don't have kids or wife so it's yeah. a little bit different in uh, <laughs> those those areas might have a little bit more spare time to come to work um but i think it's just you know it, it speaks volumes when you know someone like yourself with everything you have going on really wants to dive into those things and, and and yeah, continue to learn, continue to grow, because um, it isn't just work focus. You know, priorities change, but focus doesn't change. Right. I think, anyways. And if the focus is to learn and grow, then you're always going to be doing that. Sometimes it's going to be in different areas, um, but regardless of the situation, I think it's it's a great thing to be a forever learner. Right. right. You're never no, going to have too much knowledge. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's great. Great uh, philosophy. What, um, someone getting into it when, whether they want to be a contractor, like, you know, you talk about the, the time you spent with Ellis Dawn, uh, I know the contracting industry, just like, you know, we talk about barrier to entries with, uh, with getting into developers or to be a developer. Um, you know, I said the same thing when it, when I, I wrote my plumbing ticket, I was like, wow, that was fucking hard. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, well, that's probably a good thing because you don't want a bunch of licensed plumbers running around that don't know what they're doing. Absolutely. Um, and that still happens too. But when it comes to barrier of entry, like what do you think as a contractor, what advice would you give to, you know, either future you back then um, or someone that's getting into it now that wants to kind of take their business to the next level? So I think about this a lot because, you know, I, I do have – you know, some people that do reach out to me with questions, younger contractors um, and, and whatnot that do ask. So, I mean, even with my own employees, you know, one of the things I say is ask the question. If you don't know why you're doing something, ask the question. Try to understand, you know what I mean, why you're doing what you're doing and why it's important. Um, you know, I think that whether, whether you're looking to be you know, in a, a niche part of the industry or subcontract, like for example, plumbing, electrical, et cetera, or a general aspect, the more you understand about the entire picture of construction, the easier it is to kind of be able to adapt and understand how to deliver, how to perform. I think that people sometimes are just so focused on what they have to do that they miss the bigger picture of the construction project as a whole, mm -hmm. right? So understanding why someone's doing something the way they're doing it, uh, understanding how it affects you, whether it's, it's, it helps you and it creates your job more efficiently, or if it's more negatively and it causes more delays. So I think it's important to kind of try to do your best sometimes to pull yourself from the micro kind of, you know, the micro job that you're doing and, and pull yourself back and look at the bigger picture. Right. I think, you know, that's definitely something that, that I learned a little bit later in, in my construction experience with Ellis Dawn, I mean, I was so focused with what I was doing and trying to be the absolute best at what I was doing. When I had the chance to kind of pull back and see what else everyone else was doing and why they were doing it, it kind of, you know, gave me a broader, broader look of construction as a whole. And it allowed my thoughts of construction to kind of expand, right? So I was able to look at the bigger picture. And, and I think that's, that's, that's an important part of entrepreneurship. When you're, when you're too stuck on the micro, you know, a bad day or a good day, you know, 
can throw you off or, or, or can provide a lot of confidence. For myself, it's like I never let myself get too high and, and get too low, right? And looking at everything, you know, via the macro is a big way like that. You know, I think also... <clears throat> Um, behind also just the, the ask questions is, is listen, don't just <laughs> ask the question, listen, I mean, for, you know, construction industry in, in nature is tough. I mean, as you know, right oh, there, yeah. there is the, there's conflict, there's conflict, even when everyone's intentions are good. Right. And, and, and that's just the way, um, that's just the way the industry is. So having the ability to see some of that behind the scenes, like seeing how the sausage is made is, is important and kind of helps prepare you when you do go out on your own. Right. So, you know, I had that opportunity with Ellis Don when, when there was, you know, when we were behind on projects and when the owners were looking to, you know, fire us and, and stuff like that, you know, I saw those hard conversations and, and, um, and, and that's important. That's important. You, you know, you have to develop that thicker skin and, and that's just, that's part of construction. That's part of, you know, many businesses when you, when you do go out there on your own. So, that's, you know, would be kind of what I would advise, you know, people is learn, listen, ask questions, um, and, and never feel what you're doing has no impact on the job. I mean, I've got guys that are cleaning the job site that are extremely important because that one day potentially job site doesn't get cleaned up. A brick falls on someone's head from, from a floor above because it didn't get picked up. And all of a sudden there's a massive, massive problem on the job site. So everyone has a part to play. Um, doesn't mean that you're stuck in it for the rest of your life, obviously, but you know, do your job, ask, listen. And, uh, and if you have aspirations, work hard, uh, to get to the next step. Yeah. And I think that's great advice. We, we, uh, we preach a lot of times, slow down to speed up, you know, slow down, open your eyes, look around. And, uh, and the listening piece, I mean, this podcast has helped me personally so much. Listen, I'm a talker, right? That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> but, uh, that being said, like, you know, becoming a good listener and not just waiting to answer, right. Waiting to speak, um, and actually listening to it. Uh, and I got some really great advice recently from a podcast, which was, you know, be the last person to speak in the room, right? Let everybody feel heard, especially as a leader and a, and a, and a manager is, you know, let everybody else get their, get their opinion out. It might be better than yours and you yours might not be as relevant yeah. or they might say it. And as a manager, you want them to feel in, like encouraged and entitled um, and get them to that next step of confidence. Right. So for sure, eventually as a manager, you can free up your time and move on to other things. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, no, absolutely. hundred percent. So at the end of the day, we're here, Zoran, what inspires you? We're coming to the end of this podcast. What inspires you to kind of take it to the next level when it comes to design, when it comes to, you know, creating that quality product, whether it's with Harbor Hills or Vivant Luxury Living, what is the different differentiator between you and, and kind of the, the herd? Yeah, that's a great question, um, <laughs> which we try to focus on. Um, so for us, I mean, I, I say this to our clients. It's not just about the destination, yeah. right? It's when, when, when Harbor Hills is on a project, it's not just about delivering a project that looks great and that functions um, and whatnot. It's about the journey as well. And I think a lot of people that have had contractors with a commercial or residential look at the product at the end of the day and are happy with it, but are really unsatisfied with how it got to that, whether it's miscommunication, lack of communication, um, lack of production. I mean, you know, the, the excuses are endless, right? For us, what we try to do and what we've tried to implement is transparency amongst clients and stakeholders to us on the management side. You know, we have softwares that, you know, create transparency to work schedules, progress, contacts, 
what's happening this week, you know, bi-weekly meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So for us, it's, it's about creating the experience, right? That gets you to that end finished product. We deliver on the end product. A lot of contract contracts can deliver on the end product. It's just that in between that takes the most time, you know, that leave people either with a sour taste in their mouth or happy with, with the, uh, um, with the process. So for us, it's just about continuing to, to try to sharpen our craft, you know, learning from our mistakes and listening to the feedback of our clients. Right. And, and obviously it didn't happen overnight. We learned, you know, you know, over the years and over the projects, you know, what information was too much information, what information was not enough information. So, you know, I, I feel like, you know, we're in a good spot now where, you know, most of our clients feel like they understand, they see the picture of the project, they see the budget, they see where the numbers and the costs are going. I think, you know, I mean, what we've done for all of our project, which is, which is not common is we basically show all the numbers as an open book. We show them, yes, there is profit. Yes, we are a for-profit company. <laughs> no yes, way. there's or, is there overhead, on. right? It's not a lump sum. So, you know, educating people on, you know, the construction, not only of a project, but of a budget and how, you know, how their dollars are actually being used for a project helps educate them and understand kind of, you know, what they're getting and it kind of sets expectations. So, you know, just being transparent with people and delivering. I mean, you know, we're, we're about delivering. We're, we're about like, don't, you know, don't tell me, show me. Right. So, um, that's, that's, that's what we're about. I mean, there's a lot of great contractors there. There's, you know, there's definitely, uh, we're not the one in Hamilton, uh, the one and only, but you know, we, we definitely want to be, uh, you know, in high regard with, with other architects. And I think some of our partnerships with, you know, Tom McNally, DPAI, MSA, some of the, you know, the cream of the crop of the architects, you know, we're, we're being put on these, uh, pre-qualified lists with, with other contractors like Skill Tice, Ira McDonald, stuff like that. To, to me, that's a big deal. To me, when, when you're on a pre-qualified list, I mean, it says, you know, it tells you that you're doing something right. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just performing, right. Don't, it's not only about the destination, it's about the journey and, and, and just making sure you get the job done right. I love that. Well, and, it, and it breeds repeat customers. Well, I mean, again, I'm, I'm very fortunate to get to, able to talk to this guy all the time, but I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. Zoran, thank you so much for coming out. Um, we always ask this question, guys, why not me? Why not now? Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of coming up through the industry with Zoran. You know, we both started our businesses in 2015. I think we were at every Chamber of Commerce event together, um, you know, seeing each other from across the room. But that's what it takes, guys. Um, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long amount of time. You, know, you think 10 years of Ellis Don, he's gone to school and now, you know, he's starting to roll with the success and, and the growth of his business, um, as well as the growth of his family, which is, you know, we want to congratulate him on. So why not me? Why not now? Zoran, thank you so much for being on the show. Dan, thanks for having me. Um, Zoran's uh, Instagram, all his handles will be all over, um, all over our page um, at Harbor Hills Construction. Um, the Vivant Luxury Living. If you want to check out those towns, you'll be excited. I'm sure he's going to have another project soon, um, sooner than later. So, Zoran, <laughs> thank you. And uh, until next time. Thanks, Danny. All right. <laughs>